and who wished me dead, who tried to save me, and who let me go. They all look happy. They are gazing at each other, holding hands. Some of them are kissing. I can tell that they are making promises to each other for the life ahead. That great and mysterious journey. Only one is missing. Dying Once Chapter One I'm attracted to danger, he said. Always have been. What can I get you to? I thought for a moment. Pace yourself, Holly. It was an hour since Meg and I had left the office, but I was still buzzing, fizzing. I once had a friend who was working as an actor. He'd told me how after a show it would take him hours to wind down, which was a bit of a problem, if the curtain went down at half-past ten, and you had any ambitions to fit in with the rest of the world. Mainly he found himself fitting in with other actors, who were the only people who felt like heading out to dinner at eleven and sleeping until noon every day of the week. Another friend from college is a long-distance runner. She's serious. She almost got into the Olympics. She runs ridiculously fast and far, just to get her body going. Then she runs a properly serious distance and punishes herself up steep hills. After that, the difficulty is to bring her body back to normal again. She does more running simply to wind herself down. Afterward, she puts ice on her muscles and joints to cool them. I could do with that. Sometimes I feel I'd like to put my whole head into a chinking barrel of ice. It's not that difficult a decision, he said. Meg's already asked for a white wine. What? I said. For a moment, I'd forgotten where I was. I had to look around to remind myself. It was just wonderful. It was late September, which must count as autumn, but it was a hot evening, and the crowd in the Soho bar was spilling out onto the street. It felt like the summer was going to go on forever. Winter would never come. It would never rain again. Out in the countryside there were fields that needed water, dry riverbeds, shriveling crops. But in the middle of London, it was like being by the Mediterranean. What do you want to drink? I asked for a white wine and some water. Then I put my arm on Meg's shoulder and murmured into her ear, Did you talk to Deborah? She looked uneasy, so she hadn't. Not yet, she said. We need to talk about this. Tomorrow, okay? Still or sparkling? asked the man. Tap, I said. First thing, Meg, before anything else. All right, she said. Nine o'clock, then. I watched her, and she watched the stranger walking over to the bar. He had a nice, open face. What was his name? Todd, that was it. We'd all staggered over from the office. It has been a hard day at the end of a hard week. We'd arrived as a group, but gradually been diluted by the crowd. I saw familiar faces around the room, a room full of happy people who had escaped from their offices. Todd was a client who had come over to the office to check our proposal, and he'd tagged along with us. Now he was trying to buy the drinks at the crowded bar. He was having difficulty, because one of the women behind the bar was being shouted at by a rude customer. She was foreign, something like Indonesian, 
and the root customer was yelling that she had given him the wrong drink. She was having difficulty understanding what he was saying. Look at me when I'm talking to you, he said. Todd came back clutching the drink for Meg, the two drinks for me, and the beer for himself. They wouldn't give me tap water, he said. It's from a bottle. I took a sip. So you like danger, I said. You make it sound stupid, but yes, in a way. Todd proceeded to tell us about a holiday he'd taken. He was cheerily proud of it. He and a group of friends had been celebrating something, so they had undertaken a succession of dangerous sports across southern Africa. They had whitewater rafted in Zambia and canoed past hippos in Botswana, and Bungie jumped from a cable car going up to Table Mountain, and scuba dived with great white sharks. Sounds amazing.